Say one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. You're listening to Song and Story, conversations with songwriters about their songs. You can support this project on Patreon, and you can learn more at songandstorypodcast.com. Even if you're not really into golf, there's a good chance you've heard about Bobby Jones. He's a legend. In 1930, at the age of 28, he did something no one thought was possible. He won all four major golf tournaments in the same calendar year. The accomplishment was so unexpected, so astonishing, they had to coin a term for it. A grand slam. What makes this accomplishment all the more amazing is that Bobby Jones wasn't a professional golfer. He was an amateur. You see, in golf, you aren't considered professional unless you earn money playing golf. And Bobby Jones refused to take money for playing golf because Bobby Jones loved golf and he thought that if you got paid to do something, then you didn't really love it. The best golfer in his day, he was an amateur. By profession, he was a lawyer. So at this juncture, I'd like to submit for the court's consideration that today's featured artist is the Bobby Jones of singer-songwriters. Her name is Maria Price. When she was 17, she participated in the American Idol auditions held at Disney World, and she was offered the golden ticket to go to Hollywood, and she turned it down. By music industry standards, Maria Price is an amateur. She's never had any songs on the radio, she's only released one EP to date, and she rarely plays shows. She actually drives for Uber part-time in Nashville to help pay her way through law school. Maria Price, the Bobby Jones of singer-songwriters, is going to be a lawyer, just like Bobby Jones. She's got a voice and a heart of gold, and I'm so grateful for this chance to share her song and her story with you. This is from Maria Price's debut EP, Beautiful Things in Horrible Places. The song is called This Way. I think the sound of sirens are comforting Cause it means someone's getting help I looked him in the I could see his hunger for life. Walk back to your grave today. It's still the same. Guess I'm the one who changed. And I think, when did we get this way? When did all of our pride turned to shame And if you could change your name Move to a different place And would you? And if I could see you face to face I'd ask you when did you get that way? 
trying to figure out don't have any plans at the moment but I've kind of been thinking lately like I need a little bit of a change and I'm thinking about suing somebody for something I'm not sure okay. what yet You're like, can I can I rely on you like it would have to be pro bono because we don't have any money. okay well I have to say they're like okay the bar is like they're so strict with like ethics and stuff so I'm just saying it on the record right now like I will not talk to you about this until I have a certified like <laughs> license in my hand that says I can practice law and okay. then I'll help you. Okay. But I will not do a frivolous suit, Kevin. Okay? That's like a violation I, of No, ethics. I didn't say it was gonna be I didn't I didn't say it was gonna be frivolous. I just said I'm okay. not sure who or what for yet. Okay. But God. you know. It's not gonna be frivolous. How do you okay, okay define well. define frivolous? Oh gosh. Like kind of what you're saying sounds <laughs> Okay, I'll find somebody else. Don't worry okay. about it. Okay, sounds good. Just put somebody else's law license on the line. You okay. Know. <laughs> okay. I mean, they really scare you. Seriously. Oh, I. Uh, that's good. I think it's a good thing. It's terrifying, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. All right. All right. Enough with my frivolity. <laughs> um. <laughs> 
let's uh, let's get into this here, and I'll okay. segue like like this. I remember Alan Parker's house. Oh, nice. Did you have a party? Yes, I did. The EP release party? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I was there. I happened to be in Nashville for it. Nice. And it was just kind of playing. I, if 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 there was a moment where you all sat around and listened to the whole thing, I wasn't there for that. So we I didn't remember. do that, actually. Okay. <laughs> we just okay. ate food. And, yeah. Okay. So I remember hearing somebody say or ask, you know, did you hear this way yet? And I said, no. I've only heard the version on the Love Come Alive record. Mm-hmm. And, and and they said they knocked it out of the park. Uh-huh. And so I was super excited to hear it. And when I got the CD through uh, Love Good, Love Good Culture, my initial reaction was that I was a little disappointed. And here's why. <laughs> here's why. Because, you're, no, like the, the version of it recorded live at Nashville, that was by far like my favorite and my wife too. That was our favorite nice. track on that album. Thanks. And so it was probably the one on that album that we listened to the most. And we were so used to it, mm-hmm. you know? Like, you know when you're just so used to hearing a song one way mm-hmm. that that you, when you hear it a different way, ah, you're it's skeptical. It's upsetting, yeah. Yeah. And that's how, that's how this was at first. Now... I absolutely agree with whoever it was that said that to me because I don't remember it. But you guys <laughs> knocked it out of the park. That was mostly Alan. He is so great. Like I kind of I had a really hard time articulating how I wanted things to be. Like I knew how I wanted them to be, but he had like the expertise, you know, to like be mm. able to or like make it happen rather than you know. It was just kind of stuck. I didn't have any experience with that kind of thing well it seems like he pulled that out of you then yeah he did for sure like yeah. he there's and i was like he's like take a shot of whiskey like <laughs> you need to chill <laughs> so yeah alan loves um, his whiskey in the studio yeah yeah it's so great and i love that about alan mm-hmm. um one area in particular that is absolutely different from the live version is when you come to that last chorus, mm-hmm. the way that you sing shame. Yes. Did he ask you to do that? He had you done did. it before? I had never done it before. I didn't think it was like even in my range. Oh my gosh. Um, but like, that's the moment. That's like what I'm talking about. Like that is real. That's raw. I'm like, yeah, frustrating, you know? And I wish I had, allowed myself to be more like that in other areas. Cause I like that, that I know exactly what you're talking about because it's like my favorite moment on the album when I feel like I actually like let my guard down, you know, I've, I've listened to the track kind of in preparation for this conversation. I probably listened to the track maybe 10 times um, just to kind of sit with it, let it sink in, listen to specific mm-hmm. parts and I kid you not, every single time I get chills. Hmm. And I know that that was one moment the first time I listened to it. When I heard you start to change it, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Don't, don't do this. Yeah. But then, then when you hit that note, like every assumption I made about what you were doing with it was completely gone. Like hmm. it is, it's a phenomenal kind of 
cap for the song. It's just it's Thank incredible. You. Yeah. Um, so now that we've hit the end of it, if we go back to the beginning, um, the first line right off the bat for anyone who doesn't have any context, it's an interesting line. It's, I think the sound of sirens are comforting because it means someone's getting help. I I had never considered that hmm. before, before hearing this song. And now, having heard you sing it three dozen times, <laughs> uh, I I think about it whenever I hear sirens. You know, mm-hmm. there's it's it's this kind of selfish, this kind of immediate selfish uh, mix of like, oh man, I gotta pull over. I'm yeah. running late. You know, like yeah, that's such a selfish thought. Um, and I think we all have it at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then you you kind of turn from that towards. Oh man, I hope everybody's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, but you take that a step further, which is like authentic compassion. Like I think the sound of sirens are comforting because it means someone's getting help. Mm-hmm. Um, that's such an interesting perspective. Uh, how how did you kind of come to that? Was it was there a moment when you first thought that? Um, I don't know. Now just hearing you like say it back to me. I think it's uh, like growing up, my mom, like when we would see an ambulance or anything like that, we would, my mom would make a stop and pray Hail Mary for like whoever sure. that was for. But I, that's what like comes to my mind. But it's a loaded line. So I think I'd have to really like expand on the story to get there. Um, if you want me to start telling the story. It's, it's up to you. If if you feel comfortable doing that now, then that's, yeah. that's fine. Um, just, I mean, the song is about my brother, Jackson. He is the second um, oldest brother of mine. And he died of a drug overdose when he was 19. And I was 15 at the time. I just turned, it was a day before my 15th birthday. Okay. Um, and... He was like really bad off on um, pills. And so he was with his friend um, and his friend was on probation at the time. And I think Jackson like, you know, was unconscious for several hours, but with his friend. And so like he could, there was just always this like unresolved issue with me. And I was like, how can we solve the problem? You know? And like the problem was you could just call for help, but he didn't want to call for help because he was on probation and like it could his have gotten friend, him. His friend was. Yeah. And it could have gotten okay. him in trouble. Um, so I think there's like this huge delay. And so to me, that line is like, you can call for help. Like it's just a simple <laughs> solution to, you know, um, I think it's an expression of like, I wanted him to have that help, you know? Um, so yeah, that's where that line. Comes so from. it really is a very personal, particular moment more than like a general mm-hmm. a- approach to hearing sirens. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Gosh. Um, it, so is it, was it kind of that same exact moment or scene when you sing, I looked him in the eye and I could see his hunger for life? Um, that line, 
It's so funny because I wrote this song when I was 15 and like I'm 24 now. And just hearing you like, I haven't really thought about it that much, but now it's just all coming back to me very clearly. Um, I remember like unloading the dishwasher with Jackson one night and he had like beautiful blue eyes. And I just, we were talking about Amazing Grace, the song. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was telling him how like, I think, you know, it's played out and like super annoying and like kind of cliche. (laughs) (laughs) um we grew up in like a small town in mississippi right so like bible belt you know um like the southern baptist and um i was just we were kind of discussing that song and he was like i really think it's just beautiful and honest and i think it's so popular because of the truth that it holds and Mm. you know um and just like being able to look him in the eye and um 19 so young um he had so much to live for you know we all do like at that age and sure um so that's kind of where i got that idea so is the when you sing i could see his hunger for life is that more like when you remember that moment uh like could could you see that hunger for life in the moment or is it more looking back on it and remembering Mm. Like, like now you can see he had a hunger for life. And I. Mm, that's a good question. Um, maybe a combination of both. But I will say like, so, you know, like he was 19. I was the annoying like little sister. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so we were entering that time in our relationship where it was like on the threshold of like a uh, friendship rather than like sibling, you know, like mm. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and I think it was an acknowledgement of like, this is my brother, but this is like, he is a person with like thoughts and ideas and like, um, like his own path, you know? And like he, he's bigger just than this like family relationship. I don't know. And just like ha- those moments were so, few because you know we were at that time in our relationship um we weren't like adults yet or that kind of thing and we didn't have very much in common you know you know like a teenage boy and i don't know he was so cool (laughs) but um so i think just seeing that you know like it's just so he's so much um just seeing the life in him apart from like who I knew him as. Does that make, I don't think that makes sense, but <laughs> no, no, it does. It does. Okay. Yeah. 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 So maybe it was just a combination of both. Um, sure. Well, it, it, it makes sense because, um, and I, I don't know if you've ever seen this. I'm a Springsteen fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that about you. <laughs> <laughs> and in his, his episode of VH1 storytellers, the very first song he plays, uh, and talks about is devils and dust. Mm-hmm. It's just this soldier standing there with his finger on the trigger, and he's contemplating life, death, fear, God, um, all of all of this stuff. And so Bruce kind of goes through the song line by line, and and you think that there's all of this th- incredible thought put into mm-hmm. every single line and phrase. And by the time he's done talking, he he you know says to the audience, "Was I thinking all of this when I wrote the song? No." Mm-hmm but I felt it. Mm-hmm. And I think like 
you know, for me, I try really hard to, to be very particular and like before I finish a song as I'm sculpting a line or a phrase, I have a very specific meaning and intent behind it. But they're also, because we're all human, mm-hmm. is there are all these other subtexts. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and a whole backstory to it all that we can't, that lives in the subconscious beneath the mm-hmm. surface that we really can't know. And so you're kind of the explanation that you gave me just now because I asked. It makes sense with what follows in the song, which is walked back to your grave today. It's still the same. Guess I'm the one who's changed. You know, Mm -hmm. like just within this first verse, these maybe two stanzas, it's you're flipping really between the past and the present Mm -hmm. because that's kind of what you have to do when you're trying to remember somebody. Yeah. And it's hard to tease out like the then and the now. And it's, I think it speaks to um, like how unbelievable death is. We can't really wrap our minds around it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so just trying to like reconcile that, like you're here, you're not, I don't know. Um, It's just too big. And so it's funny whenever, you know, like I have so much respect for people. Like, I know you're like this, like you like write and you put so much time and effort, but like, I just can't do that. (laughs) And so like, I wrote this song in like five minutes. Like I just wrote it. Really? Yeah. Like I'd literally just come back from walking back from his grave because it was a, he was buried in our backyard because we lived like out on a lot of land in Mississippi and like so my mom buried him in our backyard and I just walked up to the house and I just like spit it all out so now dissecting it it just is like untangling the human mind you know or like what was sure. I thinking at that time that's that's amazing that you wrote it in five minutes I'm on one hand it is on the other hand. The reality is that, you know, there's, if you were 15 when he passed, that you've got 15 years of life with him that's wrapped mm-hmm. up, that's wrapped up in it. Yeah. And I don't really know how to say this. I don't mean it in like, oh, like music comes to me or like, I'm so gifted, you know? <laughs> I, like, I always did think you were pretentious. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Whenever anyone asks me if I know Maria Price, I said, I do. She's really pretentious. And that's what I, I do- love about her. <laughs> yes, absolutely. God. <laughs> um, no, but like the song, like when I write a song, it, it comes to visit me. Like it... <sighs> You know what I mean? It's like, I just feel like it's um, like a gift. I, I, not yeah. like a gift from God. I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm like inspired right, right. by like, but like it is. I, I feel like I know what you mean. Say it in okay. a different, say it in a different way. Um, I like that though. I like that. It comes to visit me. Here's how I kind of approach it sometimes is every combination of notes, uh, every combination of words already exists and it's it's all just kind of like hanging up there in the ether and when yes. you write it and when you're writing a song it's just kind of like 
you're poking holes in it and you're reaching up yes. and, and grabbing some and pulling them down. And when everything starts to click, like when the right combination of emotion and memory mm-hmm. um, converges and you find that the right kind of space up there, th- this is kind of how I talk about it sometimes. Yeah, I really like that. I think it's it's an interesting concept that they visit they visit me almost like every song is a ghost mm-hmm. or like um or a spirit yeah that was about to say like a yeah. connection to spirit like to the mm. you know you can call the holy spirit you can call it spirit you can call it whatever you want but like the oneness and like it's just like an opening up of um like allowing yourself to be connected i feel like anything else sounds cheesy at this point but almost like you're <laughs> you're grabbing uh, a little morsel of the universal yes yeah it's true interesting i like that thank you (laughs) (laughs) thank you it was basically what you said Um. but on the other hand like on the other side of that it's kind of embarrassing right because i like have zero classical training and then, like, in Nashville, you know, everyone wants to co-write. And, like, you need to co-write if you want to be, like, anything to anyone ever. Yeah. I, I hate And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, sitting down with another person, like, bearing my soul? It's not going to happen, <laughs> you know? Unless I'm, like, in an Uber at 2 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that person's going to say, ah, we can't, use, we can't use that little piece of your soul because that's yeah. not going to – they're not going to play that on the radio. Yeah. Oh, yeah. good Lord. Yeah. It's like that Maroon 5 song right now. Hey, say, say, hey, no. <laughs> I don't, I don't like, know it. It's so bad, Kevin. You got to listen. <laughs> That's literally how the song goes. He goes, hey, 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 say, say now, baby. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so bad. And that is what sells. And I'm just, you know what? If that's what sells, then good for you, guy. Like, Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, back to the issue at hand. Okay. Moving into the chorus here, when did we get this way? Do you know what exactly you mean by that? Because obviously that's where the, the title of the song comes from, that line. Mm-hmm. Um, what what way? Just separated? And, and what do you, like, what do you mean by we? Mm. Is, this, is this like, are you referring to yourself? Because people do that all the time. Like, what mm-hmm. are we, like, when I'm, when I'm just like, what are we doing here? You yeah. Know, I'm the only one in the room. <laughs> yeah. And I'm saying, what are we doing here? Like, is this a, a cathartic thing like what, what what is this growing up like it was it's about my family okay mostly so the, the we the we is you and, and your family yes okay um like grew up and you know one of seven catholic family um and my dad was like an attorney and a judge and my mom stayed at home with us and so like i thought in my mind that like you know, we were just a normal, like, good, solid Catholic family. And I think we were, but um, that was just, like, me coming into a little bit of my own independence and adulthood and, like, realizing that, like, some things were not normal, you know? And, like, my three older brothers, very wild. <laughs> but that's, um, I don't know, there's, like, some things that I thought were normal growing up and, like... uh run-ins with the cops and you know that kind of stuff Mm. and like just a lot of 
that kind of behavior that might surround someone who has like an addiction problem. Um, that was like my realization, like this isn't normal, you know, this isn't right. Oh and, yeah. So just kind of like growing up and, and learning things about things that were kind of previously hidden from you. Yeah. Like yes. when, when did we get this way? Have we always been this way? And I just couldn't yeah. see it. That type of thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. I was just so stunned that my brother was a drug addict that just like blew my mind. Like I thought we were normal. And <laughs> the next thing you know, we've got like, you know, that, that happening. Is that kind of directly linked to, you know, and if you could change your name, move to a different place, would you like, is, are you singing to yourself there? I think I'm singing to myself, but also like to my brother who had passed because, oh, um, yeah. Like he, at the time he passed, he had a one-year-old daughter and, you know, um, bad reputation in the community, I guess, and that kind of thing, you know? And like, it was my attempt to like offer a solution. Like, would it help you? Like, could I have helped you if we could get you somewhere else and like start over? Yeah, right, right. um, I quickly slipped into like, that role like I wanted to fix it so badly and I was like why like how could I not see this person that lived with me and we shared blood you know and like how could I be so blind and I immediately slipped into that that role of like wanting to fix the broken person in your life and I think that was just me grasping for that before I actually knew what I was doing sure Um, I don't think I've ever I've don't think I've ever been in it on that scale, but in terms of, you know, living with people or around people, having people close to you that have problems, um, (laughs) feeling like you should help or is, it's a weird place to be in because if, if you're honest with yourself, you have no idea what to do, Mm -mm. you know? Yeah, I mean, it took me years and still now, you know, like telling myself, like, it's almost laughable. Like, you can't control this person. Like, even if you have the best intentions in the whole entire world, you cannot, it's not healthy. Like, you can't do that. You can't control another person, you know? And I'm like, even if it's for them to be well and healthy and happy, like, you know? Uh, there's just no level of you can't fix that in a person your influence is always limited towards their capacity to go against yes what you think (laughs) is best yeah yeah gosh the next line then kind of makes a lot more sense if if i could see you face to face i'd ask you when did when did you get that way Mm -hmm. like well, thank you for thank you for sharing all this. Yeah, it's exciting for me to share. I felt kind of bad when you told me you picked this one because I was like, "Dang!" Like, <laughs> no, I I mean, I look, I knew there was a heavy story behind it. You know, I never mm-hmm. really, I never really knew all of the details, just kind of the surface stuff. Um, I I was really grateful you wanted to to talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the stuff it kind of blows my mind that it came out in this form as quickly as it did. But mm. you know, in our case time was the enemy and I'm still trying to figure out who is my enemy. Like, (laughs) 
Uh, time heals. That's what they say. And if the clock could get a move on it, I'd be okay. Like, that's just, it's, it's really a simple thought. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's also one of those moments where, you know, like, you know, they say that time heals, but it's moving a little too slow for me right now. Yeah. And I really want to get out of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a raw, universal pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always struggled with, like, um, you know, having to go through it. I just want there to be a solution and... Pain in general. Yeah, and just yeah. like where what what do I do? Like tell me what to do, you know, to get through this. And I'll do it. Like but for grief, grief runs on its own clock, you know, it doesn't have a schedule or um a like prescription, you know, solution that can be given and that is super frustrating for me. There's nothing you can do. To get better. I mean, there are things, but it's not black and white. And um, and it doesn't work the same way for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just remember calling my mom one time. I was um, on my way home from Nashville to go back down to Mississippi. And, like, I just called my mom and I was like, I never grieved Jackson's death. You know? I just never let it out. Like, this is so... This just, like, shows you how it was. Okay, so. How old are you? Um, I was in college. Okay. Maybe, like, 18 or 19. But I just remember, like, when he died, the day after, I was eligible to get my driver's permit. And so, like, you know, everybody's making funeral plans. And, like, people are coming over with casseroles. And I'm just, like, I'm going to the DMV and I'm getting my permit because, you know, screw this and screw everything. <laughs> like, how dare this mess up my plan, you know, yeah, <laughs> to yeah. get my driver's license. And I went and made a perfect score on my driver's test. And then that same weekend after the funeral, like, I went on the student council convention. I just didn't want any part of the screwed upness of it, you know, like, <laughs> um, the inconvenience. Yeah. And so I just yeah. tucked it away. And then I remember calling my mom. I was like, you know, I really never let this out. I never like grieved. And I think it's just, I think it goes back to those words of, you know, frustration with the process. So I, I'm still trying to figure out who is my enemy. Is that kind of what you mean by all that? Like who I'm, I'm still trying to figure out who I'm angry at. Um, well, I think that's more of like pointing towards uh, like addiction is really prevalent in my family. And so um, kind of seeing that and then being like, if they're susceptible to this like demon and this, you know, like, oh, yeah this enemy like what do i have to be afraid of like what is it that's going to get me yeah what's you know, your like, vice? what what's my vice like what do i need to Gosh. be cognizant of like if i drink too much like am i gonna be those kind of thoughts you know um just just being super vigilant of um because i wanted to fight that whatever it was like I, I didn't want any part of it like whatever makes you cave whatever you know gets to you like i didn't want that and so i just like was putting my guard up i guess against those type of things 
very abstract things. <laughs> yeah, well, it's uh, like an in- it's an invisible dragon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Going into the the bridge here, it's really simple. You, you kind of repeat it twice, um, and it's worth repeating twice. Hmm. Your picture's on my mirror. I keep you nearer than I ever would have kept you if you were still hanging around. As I was, you know, setting up my equipment here, I I had the song playing on my computer. My wife was sitting sitting at the table with me while I got it set up. She said, that bridge part, that just makes me think of all of the people that I should be closer to, that I should keep in touch with better, and I don't. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's going to make me cry. And, mm. she's, and she started crying. <laughs> this is like two minutes before before we buzzed in. I know on this chat. But it was, it was, it's a good cry, you know? Yeah. It's, it's the necessary. It's not, um, they're not tears of grief. They're tears of of gratitude. opportunity yeah, yeah. Of gratitude and that, that the opportunities are are still there yeah it's just like super simple like why do we take for granted the people that are closest to us like why do we treat those people sometimes you know the worst out of any you know they see yeah. like and our time is so limited here and it's just so easy to, yeah, take the people that you love and that you can count on for granted. Yeah. Um, but I think that's just so universal and, like, it doesn't really need much explanation because we all feel it. Like, you know, like your wife, like, crying. Like, it's just a universal, like, f- truth that we know we do it. And, yeah. Yeah. She also, I, I before it started, I, I mentioned – that the way you sing shame at the end, mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, I, I've listened to it like three times today. And every single time I, I get chills, I feel them in my bones. <laughs> and, and she kind of smiled. And when it came up, she held her arm up and her arm was co- completely Aww. covered, <laughs> completely covered in goosebumps. It's wow. just, it's phenomenal. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, just like that was so cathartic. For me to be able to just to write it to to record to sing it? it to record that version to sing that and just to allow myself to say like oh god all these emotions and like maybe all this grief that I didn't process then you know um shame 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 and like <laughs> for nothing that I did but you know um, just to feel it from like I come from X you know this is what I this is a part of me this is my story and shame has just been such a huge like theme like that keeps coming up for me in your music just in your no life? just like life you know and it just takes me back to the garden you know and that's what it is like so shameful and like I experienced it more in um, like an unhealthy amount like just wanting to be to remedy the things that I hadn't like done, you know, wrong or that like yeah, yeah. I didn't have responsibility for. Um, just feeling like, just feeling like having to overcompensate for 
my family or things like that, you know, or the mistakes of others. I don't know. Um, yeah. Sound of sirens are comforting Cause it means someone's getting help I looked him in the eye and I could see His hunger for life Walk back to your grave today It's still the same Guess I'm the one who's change your name move to a different place and would you and if i could see you face to face i'd ask you when did you get that
If you enjoyed my conversation with Maria and you'd like to check out more of her music, I've put links in the show notes on songandstorypodcast.com. As I said in the intro, she's only released one EP to date, but it's fantastic. If you liked the track featured in this episode, you'll love the whole EP. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider supporting it on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash song and story. It really is an honor and a privilege for me to get to share all of these stories about these songs that I love from these artists that I love with you. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for listening. What's your American Idol story? Oh, gosh. Yeah, that is such like a blurry time in my life. (laughs) My aunt took me to Disney World to like do American Idol. How old were you? She took me for my senior trip. So I was like 17 or 18. Okay. And, you know, all my family's like, you got to do American Idol. You got to do it. And um, I went and they were just like, they're so weird. They like make you, they like give you a persona, you know? But like before they ever talk to you? Well, like you get to go to the real American Idol if you do it at Disney. Okay. And do well. Like, but so I got to like the third round or the final thing, and they're like, okay, you're from Mississippi. Like, let's, you know, play up this country thing. And you're, you know, don't know anything. You don't wear shoes. No. (laughs) Um, And then I go on and I sing my song and they play the video. And then the judges are like, you're like a gothic Taylor Swift. What? And so then, but to go to American Idol, like... Which judges? Not, it wasn't the, the three judges. No, no. It was like okay. the Disney panel, you know. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. So that was super strange. But besides that, I got my golden ticket, but they, like, want you to sign away everything. Like, any performance rights you have. Like, you can't perform your own music. Like, just it's just the contracts are really, like all for American Idol. And so I was like, I'm not doing this. And I didn't go, but my aunt was super sad about it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but come to find out, I think like most of those contracts are actually unconscionable. So they're not really enforceable, but I didn't know that at the time. Oh, I see. Okay. I didn't really know the scope of what they meant when they said like you were like relinquishing your rights to perform and that kind of thing. I mean, I was like, I do music every Sunday at church. Um, I will not stop doing that for you, American Idol. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. my gosh. So what? I, sh- I shouldn't like it. It's all, it's a very fake. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, the stuff well, you is so not real. Yeah, I well, I always assumed that. And then meeting you and having a conversation about it at one point, you know, validated that I guess confirmed what I always assumed see I'm Um, like the opposite I believe like everything I think the Kardashians are real you know (laughs) (laughs) so I was shocked that well they are real so you're not wrong but I think like all everything that happens is not like made up like I really believe you know (laughs) right (laughs) that's my like like I really like reality TV and I really want it to be real. Oh no. No, no, no. It's completely it's fabricated. I know, it's so sad. <laughs> oh, that's so funny.
That's kind of amazing that you were 17, you weren't like a sucker or you weren't seduced by the golden ticket that you, mm. the, it's, it seems like you were an anomaly that you were, went through the whole process, you won, but you were so put off by it, even at such a young age, that you turned down the chance to go to Hollywood and potentially yeah. be on American <laughs> Idol. I mean, that's insane. I guess. I just, I don't know, I used to be pretty hardcore back in the day. But, you know, just with like all that, I don't know, just like commercial music, you have to really want to sell yourself. Like yeah, as yeah. a, per and I'm just so not into that. I'm so like, that's just so off-putting to me. And Right. Uh, I'm hoping to do it for you a little bit with this. Well, okay. Well, there you go. But, like, you yeah. either want to or you don't. And, like, I just don't want to, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, like, it's just not about that. Like, I was uncomfortable on stage, you know, like. Um, oh, really? Like, always? Yeah, for sure. Wow. So, I was, like, super uncomfortable performing and, like. Yeah, no, I'm an Uber driver at this point in my life, so, like... Are you really? Dude, yes. And it is, like, the most fun thing ever. Really? Yeah, because, like, I'm super nosy, and so... <laughs> so, the thing is, right, with Uber, they get in your car and pay you, and, like, you get to, like, know about them. And yeah, I just yeah. think it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. I just this is my plug for Uber. If anybody wants my referral code, Kevin will link it at the bottom of the podcast. Uh, and... No, I'm not going to do that. They're not a sponsor. <laughs> they're not. They have, there's, they're not a sponsor, so I'm not putting that in there. Dang it! Well, I get money every time. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, it's super fun though. I'm not kidding. I mean, I could get us sponsored by Uber, but. Water. No, because hey. that's the thing. Like, you need ads, you know, in your podcast. And I'm like, now take a break from our sponsor. <laughs> Do you need legal advice and a ride to the barber shop? <laughs> yeah, people are like, you're in law school. I'm like, you know, yeah, I am. And I'm really pretentious. What What, what do you want to say yes. to me next? Yeah. Yes, like, God sends me songs in my sleep. Like, <laughs> <laughs> The best music ever written visits me, and I'm like, no thanks. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Oh my I guess gosh. I should stop on that <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Kevin. It's good it's to been, catch up. Yeah, likewise. We'll, we'll, we'll catch up more next time, okay. too. Uh, awesome. tell, tell Kyle I said hello and thank you. Yeah. Yep, sounds good. All righty. Right. Bye. Bye.